Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And some people call me the gangster of love. Mother... I, why are you still on fucking... I think that was the last one. I think uh, I think I ran it. I think that's the last one for the Joker. After that, I mean... Um, did you ever do the Some People Call Me Maurice? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I really like that one, yeah. <laughs> that's right, because you did the... Yeah, you gotta do the... Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you gotta really hit the R. Maurice. You know... But that's not how they say it in the song. It though. is absolutely how they say it. I know. I, I've heard that song several times. And I've even played it on, uh, not the Flix Nuts over here, but Rock Band. Um, that's not how I say this, sing the song. That's how I say All right. Anyway, well, uh, welcome back, everyone. And um, welcome to part one of Jeremy's series of stage-to-screen uh, adaptations. Um, and before we really get into... The, uh, the episode today. I just want to say Merry Christmas, everyone. It, it will be Christmas Eve when this comes out. That's a big deal. This episode will come out on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day is the very next day. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Oh, my God. Grinch. Grinch. W- but which one? Jim Carrey? Of course the Jim Carrey Grinch. It's yeah, the best one. Because in that, right after he says that, he says uh, that he needs a sedative, and then he whacks himself with a mallet. <laughs> Dude, God bless Ron Howard and Brian Glazer, dude. I know. I mean, they have brought me so much joy with that movie alone. I mean, I've, I've watched it twice already this Christmas season, uh, and I'm not done. I'll probably watch it dude. a few more times before Christmas. Uh, and it's and so, after. And it's so crazy to learn all the behind-the-scenes travesties that went on behind the scenes. You know, and then, you know, Ron Howard dressed up, did full Grinch makeup to... To, to try to make Jim feel more comfortable and Jim thought he was being replaced <laughs> and apparently I think lost his shit on Ron because he it didn't look like Ron and like I don't know I, I, listen, I heard something I, I about it yelled at him my my favorite thing you know I could I could quote the movie all day right I mean and we're not gonna do that now because again we have a very important movie to get to and yes. a movie that I love very very much shout out to my boy Keegan yeah also it, one of his yeah I feel like I feel like the, the, the this one, Cool Hand Luke, are his like two favorite episodes. Yes, or absolutely. Go, well, this one going to be his favorite. Yeah, I, I I think so because when um, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll text it to him when it's out on Tuesday <laughs> with you know what, Happy Christmas Eve. Here's the yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, listen to this. Yeah, you know, you don't don't spend time with your family. You listen to me. You listen to Rain both. and me. You can do both. Uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's only gonna be an hour or so. You know, yeah. maybe a little. I don't more. know, man. Yeah. We've been getting, we've been doing really well. It's we've yeah. been getting a lot shorter. You know, from going from two and a half hours to now solid one hours almost. You know, and I know we're, we're already rambling, but you know, I was actually talking to someone about how we got how we started on this. And, you know, it's so crazy to think that almost, you know, four months into this year, we started this, and now here we are. Season two, uh, and about to be the new, about to be 2020, man. About to be 2020. But, uh, yeah, I was talking about how when we first got started, we were kind of all over the place. Yeah. Because I I feel like we didn't, 
I mean, granted, we're still kind of all over the place. Yeah, but, we haven't quite honed in on this thing yet. But you know, as far as as far as talking about the episode, we I feel like we're more kind of focused in now. Yeah, I I, I would. Well, I would and probably you know, it was your idea to start doing just the deep cuts, one movie per episode. Yeah, rather than doing a whole discussion about. Yeah, multiple movies at not, once. Not to say that in future episodes we won't do another, oh, no. you know, I, film I have, school episode like I like to call them. I have know, a feeling the, the discussions are not done. Or, yeah, a film studies episode, like the film noir episode or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, those I like doing. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, again, want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Be safe out there. Have fun with your family. Thanks for sticking with us for two seasons already. Yeah. This and, is, we are wrapping uh, up the second season. It is a lot shorter this time. Yeah. Um, well, because this time we're paying attention. Right. Um, <laughs> and, Last season kind of got away from us a bit. Yeah. And, well, let's, uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's do it. Jesus Christ. Uh, no, one, no one just saw me do my fucking, I call it the YouTube point. Oh, boy. The, the gut finger guns. Like, uh, let's get into it. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Jim. Uh, no, <laughs> oh, boy. Um <laughs> Today, we are discussing Cormac McCarthy's The Sunset Limited. Yes. Uh, very, very exciting stuff. Um, I remember when I first saw it the first time. Uh, <laughs> that was such a terrible sentence. When I first saw it the first time, uh, that was stupid. Um, I was just in awe of all of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I... Honestly, I don't remember where I saw it. Um, it could have been just I was scrolling through Cormac McCarthy stuff because I loved The Road. I loved No Country for Old Men. I was like, what else does this guy got? Right. And this one was fairly new, and it was The Sunset Limited. And I was like, oh, man, I got to I got to peep on that. Yeah, and, you know, directed by Tommy Lee Jones. Which, I, it's fine. I mean, that really wasn't my, you know, my thing was Cormac McCarthy. His right. name was on it. And I was like, perfect. Let's, let's check it well, out. Well, and... From a technical standpoint, it's not a hard movie to direct. Well, no, and it's not a director's movie, no. right? This is a writer's movie for sure. Absolutely. Um, and Cormac McCarthy wrote both the play and the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And and so with with the, the writer doing both, right, mm-hmm. it's really important. It's kind of like, and this isn't all the time, but when Stephen King will write the screenplay... Sometimes that that makes it better, but sometimes it doesn't. Right, so it uh, all depends. So looking at you, um, was it maximum overdrive? Maximum overdrive. Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, looking at you, maximum overdrive. Looking at you with um, the fucking nineteen nineties Spider Man Green Goblin on the front of a fucking yeah. I mean, it's it's really yeah, it's really dumb. Um, <laughs> God, but, I mean that's that's also cocaine. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, but in this case, you know, Cormac really wants to translate this one act play into a watchable movie. Right. Um, and do you know much about the play? Like, do you know if he, he wrote it exactly how the play goes out or did he tweak things? I could only, no, I don't. Uh, I could only assume it's word for word. Okay. Um, because you know, the, the wording is so precise and the conversation has to go in the sort of, linear trajectory mm-hmm. to get to the end that you know I would almost assume that all he would have to do is put in shot sizes and and cuts right that's what right. he would have to do in the screenplay um, and 
to me, I, it would go if if I were to rank them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could at this very moment. We're going to try. I, you know, it's a three way tie for first <laughs> for uh, No Country, The Road, and Sunset Limited because they're okay. they're that good, right? And they're mm-hmm. they're all so different. And I tried listening to the commentary, um, but you know, it was they they aren't great at it. Because uh, okay. it was Tommy Lee Jones, it was Samuel L. Jackson, and it was Cormac McCarthy, and they were, uh, but they weren't great at it. You know, like okay. Tommy was just like, "Oh yeah, that was a, that was a good shot right there." You know, <laughs> and then Samuel Samuel Joe goes, "Hey TL, uh, Tommy Lee, uh, TL, is that a medium shot?" Like, yeah, it's a medium shot. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna turn this off. <laughs> Uh, they're not getting into the nitty gritty like I like, you know. And really, I just wanted Cormac to talk, mm-hmm. you know. And it, they, he was a little bit, but you know, they weren't asking him the questions I would have asked. You know, they were like, "Hey, how'd you get the idea for this?" He goes, "I really don't remember." And it's like, well, that was a wasted question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, and I read that he he was visiting set a lot during yeah. production, which I would assume for a movie like this and how it plays out. He doesn't take that long to make it. You know, I think... I mean, you know, we visited movie sets, so, you know, we're experts oh, on everything course, now. Yeah. You know, uh, you because know, I thought about that this time. Um, and, you know, yes, it could have gone either way because, mm-hmm. you know... Well, I did notice at certain points Tommy Lee Jones' hair looked a little different. Like maybe it had a, like a pickup shot or something. Oh, okay. No, but, I didn't notice that. Um, I was just I was paying attention to everything. Well, you know the 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 first time I saw it, you know it, it's hard to get everything right. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie several times. The second time, I'm really trying to pay attention to the dialogue. Right. In third and after, like the third and on, it's just I put it on because I like the rhythm and the musicality of the dialogue mm-hmm. and the back and forth. Um, right. It's sort of like a Sorkin show or a Sorkin movie, right? Uh, right. Aaron Sorkin loves dialogue. So do I. Mm-hmm. And apparently so does Cormac. And it's it's this tennis match of a conversation, right? right? And it's fast, it's quick, it's precise, and I love it. Yeah, so if anyone doesn't remember from last week or haven't been able to figure out from the context clues, the whole movie is just a conversation between Samuel Jackson's character, Black, and Tommy Lee Jones' character, White, in uh, Samuel Jackson's studio apartment yep. in New York. Now the, um, and you know I get why they did it. I wish they hadn't. This is the only problem I have with the movie is that it it opens on the train, uh-huh. right? I kind of wish it would have just opened in on them. Yeah, just in the apartment. Just okay. so I, I mean, I get it. I completely understand. We need to. We need to have some visual context for what they're talking about. Well, um, but mean, see, you don't get that in the play. So, I mean, yeah. uh, I feel like it could have worked either way because the dialogue is so good that yeah, we the, are getting this sort of what would normally be – Yeah, we, what would normally be spoon-fed exposition, but it's not in the way they're talking, right? right? And Yeah, in, in, in a normal movie, you know, we would have probably gotten like a flashback <clears throat> of what they were talking right. about. But – in dialogue, you're you're able to figure out, oh, this is what they're talking right. about. Right, and so in the plot is, you know, I'd, I'd hate to say it's really simple because it's it's obviously not, but but at the same time, it is a it, fairly it's simple. A, it's a minimalistic sort of presentation right. to you, but the but the context and the you know the sort of I don't know. Uh, 
the way it's done is complicated. Mm -hmm. So the presentation is this. It's two men, one saved the other uh, from committing suicide by jumping in front of a train. Right. That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, their conversations go from um, ideological consequences of that. uh, And it goes to religion versus atheism. It goes from happiness uh, and pain criminal versus not it goes mm-hmm. from white collar versus blue collar back and forth back and forth and right. uh, black versus white as well a little bit of a racial divide um anyway so that's the overall right. synopsis without you know getting it and it is really hard to describe their conversation mm-hmm. because it is really dense complex and, and full of, you know, allegory, analogy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, so I do want to pose you with this question, Ryan. Okay. Now, they, this can go either way, okay? Because okay. I, I can argue for both sides. Do you think that Black is a guardian angel for real? Do you think he's an angel for real? Hmm. They give you evidence for both, for yes and no. So I can see yes, because, <clears throat> you know, White says, where were you? Right. I didn't see you. It, it, and you do get that sort of, you know, I don't know, ambiguity mm-hmm. in, in their conversation where he's like, well, I was there. And he's like, but I looked, you know, I, I made, made sure, sure there was no one there. <laughs> right. So where were you? Right, exactly. And then there's the stuff at the end. Um, and now when Samuel Jackson's character says, you know, why did you send me there if you wouldn't give me the words? Why did you have me save him, mm-hmm. give me the opportunity to do so, and not give me the words to say? That could go either way because mm-hmm. you could literally mean, why did you say you go there, right? Or why did... Why did he have this feeling, I need to go there? Or, you know, why did maybe he was going to work early that day? Maybe he goes there every day, mm-hmm. right? And by him saying, why did you send me there? Meaning, why did you put me in this situation in my normal routine, right? Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he's never taken the train, mm-hmm. right? And today he just decided to out of nowhere. That's not what that means either. Right. It could go either way. And well, so I do like the idea that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get a little of that at the end that maybe, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little ambiguous. Um, but then you can argue it's like, well, he's gone. You know, White left. So why is he still looking like that, right? Mm-hmm. Why is he still in this horrible apartment complex and this really bad side of town? Right. Um, which makes me wonder, why were they in the same area like, why are they at the same train stop? Because they're obviously, you know, we, like I said, it's white collar versus blue collar, which means we have affluent versus poverty mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, they probably wouldn't live in the same part of New York. Right. But again, that's just, that's being really over analytical, but, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I asked you the question, you didn't answer it. Because, yeah, you know, there there is that evidence of, of both sides of it, so it... It is kind of hard for me to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you, I'd like to think that he is a guardian angel. Mm-hmm. 
but there's so much evidence towards the other end too that he's just normal guy this is his normal routine to go to work like you said yeah and then there's just one day you know he's throwing a curveball mm-hmm. you know and so I don't know I don't either <laughs> I know I know it's I, I don't either and it's it's interesting if he was let's 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 pretend he was for okay. a second uh, if he was do you think that he chose to look the way he does uh, to pose a a yin to the yang of of white because again they are completely opposite in every way. Right. Um. I believe so. I mean, you know, in in you know in the Bible, there's stories of guardian angels when they visit people on behalf of the Lord, mm-hmm. and they present themselves in a way that's. You know, comforting to that person. So I would say that yes, he chose this form of of, of Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this very you know minimalistic man. You know, and so I think as a way to kind of um, disarm White. Okay. You know, to kind of keep him, kind of keep him on his toes, but also keep him. I wouldn't say calm, but and I wouldn't say relaxed either, but just kind of almost like he's not there to attack him. Yeah. You know. I do love the line where he's like, you don't have to go anywhere. And he goes, well, how do you know that? Because you, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. Right? You're pl- you didn't have plans after this morning. Right. So I, I do really like that line. That, right. You know, it, it's sort of... Black's not going to let him off the hook with anything. Right. Uh, he's not going to let him bullshit him. He's not going to, you know, just let him go. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to call you out on it. Right. Right. Well, um, and, and like the line, you know, I also like the line that White's like, you know, am I a prisoner here? And Black is like, um, well, you're already a prisoner in, you know, in the sense of like you're living in a prison. Right. You know. Yeah, um, I think he said, "You know better than that." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there, there was just so much dialogue. I was trying to pay attention to everything. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's really hard. I should have told you to watch it twice because um, it's it's a lot, right? All at once. I'll be honest, dude. So Ashley came home right in the middle while I was right in the middle of the movie, and she's like, "Oh, is this the movie?" I was like, "Yeah, this is the movie that we're going to talk about." And she kind of joked, "She's like, a oh, way to go to get in the Christmas spirit there." <laughs> Because I, I was giving her a brief synopsis yeah, of what honestly, was going on. Yeah, honestly, I think it's fitting that this is coming out on Christmas Eve uh, <laughs> because it it does tackle, you know, sort of these these religious ideological, no. you know. But, you know, she was half-ass paying attention when she came home. But then as it was going on, I noticed her paying a little bit more yeah. attention. I mean, she was still half-ass paying attention, but I noticed she was... It does command your attention. No. Especially at the end, because... Oh, absolutely. At the end, when White starts getting angry, right? Mm, Oh, um, dude, and don't be mad at me, but, man, when he starts going off, I don't remember half the things he said. No, and it's hard to remember all these things that he says, um, because, you know, he's starting to... Like, if you think of this as an intellectual boxing match... Um, White has Black up against the ropes at the end, right? Mm-hmm. He's starting to wail on him. Yeah, because, you know, the whole time you think, you know, Black is is going to get him to, 
you know, change his mind view. He's going to save this man. Yeah. You know, save his soul. And then, yeah, and then White does that switch. Which is, you know, again, fits perfectly with me because I, I don't like happy endings. So I'll be honest. I would have been very let down. You know, spoilers, everyone. If if White walked out like, you've changed my mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm renewed or whatever. I, I would have felt... It's what I loved. Spoilers for Manchester by the Sea, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's what I loved about Manchester by the Sea is that Casey's character doesn't doesn't get over it at mm. the end of Manchester by the Sea. He even has the line. He goes, I can't beat this. You know, yeah. and it's the same here where this hour and a half didn't change my mind. You know, mm. uh, you haven't convinced me to change everything about myself in an hour and a half. Right. You know, and because that's impossible in most cases, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're Charles Dickens. Um, <laughs> or we were just talking about Christmas Carol, which that, that's the most unbelievable 180 in all of literature and in movies. Um, yeah, the, is the, that, that, that Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge goes on this life oh, journey. It's so ridiculous. And then wakes up the very – wakes up and is like – He's oh, a completely different person. Uh, right? uh, cooked goose. That's right. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And so this is a more realistic <laughs> – So I – sorry. Of Speaking of the Christmas Carol, I rewatched um, – uh, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, okay, on Disney Plus, of course. Uh, shout out Disney Plus, um, and <laughs> um, I thought it was much longer than it was, and it's only like thirty minutes. Oh, so they crammed that entire thing into thirty minutes. Yeah, it's probably not hard with Scrooge McDuck as Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge. Great, um, mm, I do remember that. Yeah, and it's and it, and it's it, I call it nineteen eighties goofy because it's before. Um, Oh, fuck. I can't remember his I name. I apologize to everyone who's rolling their eyes right now. And it's like... <laughs> that we he, went from this very serious talk. He's talking talk about Mickey's Christmas camera right now. Anyway. Okay. So, so back to okay. Sunset Limit. <laughs> so, so as I've said before, um, this is my buddy Keegan's. This is probably one of his favorite movies of mm. all time. And I I was living in Lubbock at the time. And I was re-watching um, The Sunset Limited. And I was like, oh, you know who would really like this is Keegan. Uh uh, Keegan at this time was a, uh, I believe, a youth minister at his church. And I was like, oh, man, I think he'd really like this. Um, and when I let him borrow it, he called me the next day or texted me or whatever. And he's like, hey, uh, how much do I owe you? Because you're not getting your copy back. Because I've watched it three times since you gave it to me. And I was like, buddy, that's payment. <laughs> you love a movie so much, you're willing to steal from me. It's fine, <laughs> right? That is that is perfectly fine. That's worth it, you know, to me because I love it when people are so passionate about stuff like that. And so I'm like, it's yours. Imagine and, every heist movie playing out like that now. Yeah, it's like, oh, you you earned it. <laughs> you you respected me so much to take away my wealth. Right. Keep it. It's, you know, and I just love that he loved it so much. And yeah. I'm sure by then, by now, he's watched it like 20 or so times. Yeah. I definitely, I'm definitely going to have to rewatch it because um, I, I, I greatly enjoyed it. And shockingly, so when, when you told me it was an HBO film, I was like, cool. Don't got to rent it. Don't got to spend any money. Just go on my HBO app. <clears throat> it's and also on Amazon Prime. And that's where I found it. Mm. And so I, I used my, my Siri on my remote. Because I was kind of flustered when I was getting it ready. I was already in a really bad mood. And so I didn't feel like typing. Mm-hmm. So I picked up my Apple TV remote and I was like, the Sunset Limited popped up and I hit uh, play and it took me to Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, oh. 
Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's in a, it's in a bunch of places. I, you know, yeah. Which is great that it's so readily available for people mm. to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was really worried that I was going to have to either borrow your copy. And it, or... is, it is sort of a movie that should be really hard to find. Mm-hmm. If HBO hadn't done it, or put it on HBO or whatever. I, I think that it would have it would have been really really hard to right. find. Yeah, I, I got that sense that it would it would probably be hard to find if 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 HBO's name wasn't on it. Exactly, and yeah. you know, since HBO is like has a partnership with Amazon, I mean, it, now it can be in both places. Yeah, which is great. Except kicking up Doctor Who. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, I want to talk briefly, okay. or as long as we want. It doesn't matter. There are no rules um, about the sound design of the movie. So the sound design, I love. Yeah, I, I, I really wanted to talk about that too, because it's it's done in that old in that Family Guy joke where the TV is still on even though you're talking, right? Uh huh. You can still hear things outside even though they're talking, right? Yeah. And so you can hear the guy practicing his trumpet. You can hear their neighbors. You can hear the rain. You can hear the traffic. You can hear the there's police sirens at yeah. one point. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I loved that. Yeah, it was all. It kind of reminded me, but not directly. It just made me think of the scene in Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. when him and Yvonne are having that very casual conversation about how they've been, and there's a wreck next to them, and you know horns are going off and sirens are going off, but yep. they're having just a very casual conversation. Yeah. About like, oh, how have you, how you been? And he's like, oh, still, and he's, you know, of course that, they're having to scream. Right. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's what it made me think of that, you know, black and white are having this very serious and a little casual conversation while all this other stuff is going on. Well, and it's also a, a reminder that, you know, life is going on around them as they're discussing the meaning of it. Right. Right. Which, which is symbolic in a way. Um, well, and I also liked that it went from night to day. But yeah. Well, I mean, night, really early in the morning. Uh, oh, and also yeah. it was raining. So, I, you know, you got to think cloud cover and stuff like that. And right. then, you know, when white leaves, it's no longer raining. And, of course, it hasn't been raining for a while. But you can really tell that the storm has passed when white leaves. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the sun is out. In fact, the camera zooms in on the sun for the end credits, right? Right. Um, And that's where we get that wonderful, you know, sort of monologue. The whole thing's a monologue, but um, when White Leaves, you get Sam Jackson's Mm -hmm. sort of plea to God, you know. uh, Yeah, you you gave him the words. Why couldn't you give them to me? Right. Yeah. And I love his jailhouse story. Oh, dude, so did I. Um, and, and, and and I love that to get White to stay, he had to tell it. Dave, right, tell yeah. a jailhouse story, which, again, is evidence that he's not, right? Evidence mm-hmm. that he's not an angel, which, I mean, could go either way also because it could be made up. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I enjoyed it, too, and because I also enjoyed White's commentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because, you know, he doesn't <laughs> want him to use the N-word. Yeah, do you, do you have to say that word? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't say it. Well, he's like, oh, and his answer to that is great. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like we should repeat no. it. <laughs> no, of course not. But I, I do. No, I but do I, really I, like I agree. His answer is, is spot on. Um, and it, it was almost like Cormac McCarthy had Samuel Jackson in mind for this character. 
because that was a very Samuel Jackson response mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Like I could see him saying that in his day to day life, you know. Yeah, I I really do love Sam Jackson in anything, but especially in this. I think this may be his best. I, yeah, I feel like this really showcases his range. Yeah. In my opinion, this and Black Snake Moan. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in yeah. that. Really showcase his range that he's, you know, like Tom Cruise. You know, he's not in Nick. In that goalie. Yeah, exactly. He's not, you know, Nick Fury. He's not um, the guy yelling at you all the time. Right. The guy asking you, hey, what's in your wallet? <laughs> Capital One. Um, yeah, you're right. And it's, you know, and again, you know, it's not a director's movie. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say there's anything spectacularly unique about the look of it in in terms of the direction i I would just say all the tracking shots yeah i mean the the still the static shots you know just the the oneers you know Mm -hmm. what i mean because i have to keep reminding myself that on stage you have these guys have it memorized right you know and i just like good lord like could you imagine having that entire thing memorized there there were certain parts of it where i was I was trying to envision it, what it would be like to watch it on a on a stage. Yeah. And I'm like, we would probably be seeing it from where his couch is, where the windows are, you know, as an audience. Okay. That way we could see the oven and the bathroom. Oh, you'd have to see the front door too. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm sure, I mean, on a play, they could put the couch against the wall, you know, but... I was like, okay, this is probably where we would see it from. But I liked the tracking shots going, following them. Yeah. And I especially, I really loved all the times they would scoot the chair up next to the other person, whether it be Tommy or Samuel. And the camera was pushing in on them as they're scooting up. Yeah. You know, I... I love that because now they're you know they're engaged now they're paying attention to one another right um, or they've they finally you know struck something in the other one that mm-hmm. okay now we're talking right right um, also um, re- and this is gonna sound really dumb but it is a it's really noticeable in other movies uh, it's great. Uh, movie eating and movie drinking um, because oh, usually yeah. they're just like sipping or barely and there's like I was like oh okay it just seems it seems real to me because usually you can tell that it's like they've done a thousand takes of this and they don't want to eat anymore mm-hmm. or whatever or drink or whatever right right and this time it seemed more realistic I don't with, know and with, again I knew that was going to sound dumb but well, I but I, no, really, but I agree like I yeah. really appreciated actually you know seeing Sam pour the coffee and them actually drinking it, him serving the um, soup, stew. Beans. It was beans? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and just him turning on the stove. You yeah. know, he had to light the match. He had to tick, 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 tick. There it is. He lit it, put the match out, threw it in the trash. I mean, yeah. all, he had to, I mean, it was just perfect, you know, and it's little things like that that make this movie so great. Mm-hmm. And what really translates it without changing too much from the play. Yeah. Right? And anyway. and you know and and you can really see it as a play since mm-hmm. it, it is one setting they're right there in the the kitchen slash living room yeah. of the studio apartment it's all dialogue very little you know from the outside yeah happening you know because most plays I'm not an expert I've only seen a handful of plays in my life 
Um, but, you know, a lot of plays have multiple settings. <laughs> they have very intricate parts. But I feel like the the plays that are remembered the most are the ones that are simple, like this. Yeah, one, one location mm-hmm. I love in anything. I mean, it could be a movie as well. That's just one location. I'd really like that. And, um, and sidebar, didn't... Wasn't there talk of Quentin Tarantino turning The Hateful Eight into an actual stage play? I don't know. That'd be cool. I mean, I heard... It'd be that, tough at the beginning, but the the rest of it would be fine. I, yeah, because I heard that the, there, there was talk of him doing it because one of his buddies was like, no, this is a play. This isn't a movie. This is a play. Yeah. But... I don't know. Like I mean, you it said, would work the, either way because, you know, the dialogue is so great and that is also, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. So, okay. What else do I have? <laughs> yeah, check is this. I know. Sorry. Checking it twice. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going to find out uh, if you're naughty or nice. Oh, Christ on a bike. <laughs> we were watching the, the Santa Claus the other day. And I fucking love the Santa Claus, by the way. It's probably one of my favorite Christmas movies, mm-hmm. besides A Christmas Story. And it's so fucking good, man. <laughs> can't. There's nothing bad for me to say about it. Um, except for I read one synopsis about it, and they called Scott a deadbeat dad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wrong. No, I agree. He right. um, um, he has I'm a dude sna- all dolly. Oh, I want to snap you back. <laughs> To reality, well, there goes gravity because we. Because uh, vomit on your sweater already. Mom's, Mom's spaghetti. Because yeah. <laughs> off track again. Uh, okay, so all right, let's talk. Oh, Jesus. All right, so I already asked you if Black is a guardian angel. Right. I'm gonna ask you another question. Okay. At the end. Where do you think white goes? The part of me after so after I finished watching it and the movie ends, and I and I watched till the end of the credits, like I stayed through it. Okay, cool. Wanted to see if maybe there was clues, something. Um, I have not necessarily theories. I have just two possibilities. Mm-hmm. One. He went back to the Sunset Limited. Okay. He went back to the railroads, and he waited. Option two, I think that he didn't immediately go home, mm-hmm. but he walked, and he, he just he just went around walking. Yeah. Almost like as to reflect on right. what happened, because it's in that final moment right before he leaves Black's apartment, and he says, thank you. Goodbye. And, you know, and even though he got very angry in that in that final 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie and he, he's railing into black about everything he believes and, and you know, if I have to save my brother, well, then damn him. And I feel like a rational person, even, you know, as mad as you would get in that situation, you would want time to reflect and time to think. Mm-hmm. Even if you are contemplating well not even contemplating suicide you're wanting suicide um so those are my two possibilities like I said possibility one is he he went right back to the Sunset Limited Mm -hmm. and got ready for the next train one of my favorite little things and they don't touch on it again 
um, is when Black asks White, has he read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Uh, White replies, I've read Job, and he chuckles a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and Keegan just chuckled, too, because it's what the book of Job is, mm-hmm. right? It's just this <laughs> – it's a story of how horrible life is going for Job, right? Yeah. That's the whole thing is, is Job is just having – a hard time mm-hmm. after hard time after hard time. And so – and what's funny is White gets the joke too, right? Right. I've read Job, right, uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he is also going through a hard time, mm-hmm. right? And um, I do like that that's, that's the only thing he's read in, the, in this book, right? Right. Um, and, you know, I really do like the, the conversation they have about books um, – and, you know, I would also think Black is being a little insistent, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it, at the I was still listening to the commentary at this point. <laughs> and uh, they both asked, he's like, you know, TL, you ever read the Bible? He goes, I don't know. Like, I've read Ecclesiastes, I think, a couple of times, but that's about it. And um, Samuel Jackson read Job just for this. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, I mean, they, they haven't either. So, I mean, it's like, you know, if we're going for realism, which this movie has in spades, I would say the most unrealistic is, you know, Black being so insistent that everyone's read it because that's not true. Right. Yeah. Um, but I do like the their back and forth on, on books. On books, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was really nice. I really like that. One of my favorite parts, really, is it's... I think while they're still eating the beans, or they had just finished, and they're talking, I, I can't remember what, because like you said, the dialogue is so dense, I can't remember what they were talking about. Right. Um, but then Black goes, hang on, and he writes something out really quickly, mm-hmm. tears it, oh, and he's yeah. like, okay. And then he's like, and White says, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And it, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And Black <laughs> is just like, Nailed it. Yep. Uh, that I really loved because, you know, that was showing me that Black had figured him out by that yeah. point. He, he'd figured, he'd, you know, figured him out um, and was trying to still save him. You know, yeah. I, I figured you out. Now let's really get into it. You know. I agree. I really did like that. I also really liked that we, we, we are – Introduce the idea that Black's not an idiot in mm-hmm. in the math stuff. Oh yeah, because he was, you know, he was pretending to write down. He goes, "I'm just kidding. I know what the answer is." He goes, "Give me any number of times, and I'll give it back to you." You know what I mean? And he was right every time, mm-hmm. right? Um, showing that just because he works this whatever it was something industries on his shirt. Yeah, I was trying to read it. Uh, some blue collar job, probably in a factory somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he is a felon, right? Uh, and I, I, you know, I do like that they didn't get into what he did, right? Yeah, he just says, you know, it was murder, right? And that's all. And that's all you know. And that's all. In what's funny is in another favorite movie of mine, The Shawshank Redemption. That's all you know of Forgan, Morgan Freeman's character Forgan. too. Forgan Freeman. Forgan, hang on. Uh, oh shit. Forgan, me. I can't do it because it, okay. it, it, it's like mere Mreeman, Mreeman. Morgan, Morgan Freeman's uh, <laughs> in Red's character, um, you don't know what he did either because his stuff is murder. Yeah, mm-hmm. same as you, right? That's that's all he says. 
And um, and what's really fun is is like that character, um, because Andy Dufresne asks him, "Well, are you innocent too?" And he goes, "Nope, only guilty man at Shawshank." And then you. You know, you go to this one and he goes, are you serious? He goes, why would anyone claim to be a murderer that isn't? Right. Right. And it's that same sort of mentality that these two people have. Uh, Uh I just thought it was a cool correlation between the two. You know, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself of what, what, like, what else you want to talk about. But, Mm -hmm. like, I, um, what I really noticed is, um... One of the big kind of uh, allegories, I guess, um, what is you know when they talk about theology and and, and atheism and, and Christian value and Christian beliefs, I took it as this is kind of Cormac McCarthy's view of you know twenty uh, first century religion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know the people who 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 are evangelistic, and then the people who are not. Because, and it's in the jailhouse story that I started to think this. Because, you know, he Samuel Jackson talks about how he wailed on this guy with a chair leg and a nail, and then he got stabbed an un, undisclo- undisclosed number of times, and survives and he hears a voice. Right. And then and then Tommy Lee says, "Well, I think it's just kind of strange that a man had to be turned into a half-wit for you to find God." Right. And you know, when I've had talks with atheists or 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 um agnostics about that and they usually bring something like that up. You know, something so horrible that happened to me, you or, you know, someone mm-hmm. for this for you to prove there is existence of of God and, and things like that. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, maybe I'm... No, Rain, that's the smartest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Holy shit. So, uh, good job. Because <laughs> it's so funny that you say that um, the Sunset Limited is Cormac's take on 21st century or 20th century, whatever, 21st century religion yeah. because No Country for Old Men is his take on 21st century criminals. Okay. And by 21st century, I don't mean literally because it was, I think, written like in the 80s or whatever. Right. But a new style, right? A So the, the main point about No Country for Old Men, spoilers, <laughs> is that Tommy Lee Jones' character in No Country for Old Men isn't used to the type of criminal that Anton Chigurh is. Anton Chigurh doesn't have a rhyme or reason why he does things. He just does them. Whereas when he was, when Tommy Lee was younger, mm-hmm. it was much easier uh, to understand a criminal. And now it's not. So this is now a country uh, for younger men, not for old men. Right. Oh, uh, you know, he he doesn't understand the modern criminal. Right. Uh, and it's represented with this beautiful monologue in the at, very at the beginning. End. Uh, at the very at the beginning, oh, okay. um, where he talks about that um, that man who killed that fourteen year old girl, and when asked about it, he said, "You know, if you let me out, I'd do it again." Just thought about killing people for a long time. Finally, got the chance to do so. Hmm. And, <laughs> oh I my need god! To rewatch No Country for Old Men. It's amazing. And so, I'm going to say it again. It's the smartest thing you've said on this podcast. 
because that is exactly right. And um, I do think this is a a Cormac take on modern religion as well, that this new world doesn't belong to either of these men anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, in either ideology, either if in the no-nonsense atheism or the all-believing evangelist. Right? Yeah, you know, and especially now, you know, in 2019, you know, with woke culture and, you know, I remember Chris Pratt, you know, got ran through the mud recently because of the church he attends. Um, apparently... According to Ellen Page, oof, we're about to we're about to go there. Well, you're about to go there. Uh, I'm just saying quietly. Um, Letting you finish. The, the apparently the church that he attends did something um, like protesting gay rights or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Chris, you know, and so the whole point was how can you attend a church like this? And Chris was like, you know, what they do does not define them. You know, these are good people. You know, well, Craig, no, he said, what they do doesn't define my religion. Right. You it's, know. yeah, it's hard to believe in everything mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of times some of it is contradictory and a lot right. of it, um, you know, doesn't fit with the message. Anyway, it's very complicated, right? right. And so... With with Samuel Jackson's character, with him, it's all or nothing. And they even say it mm-hmm. um, in the movie that not everything is black and white. And he says, yes, it is. Yeah. And no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so with Samuel Jackson's character being the, you know, blind faith evangelist. Mm-hmm. And of course, Tommy Lee being absolutely... You know, nothing out there atheist. Mm-hmm. We have these two extremes again, opposites because they're opposites um, in every way yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we as the audience can see they're both wrong, right? Right. Even though some people will say Sam Jackson's more right, some people might say Tommy Lee's more right, mm-hmm. but they're both wrong. Right. Yeah, because even, you know, Sam says it, that he's never had an original thought. Mm-hmm. You know, that if it didn't come from Jesus, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's so it's Good job, Rain. Good job. You <laughs> led us in the right direction this time. Oh. Yeah, that was good. That's funny. Nicely done, Rain. Um, because, yeah, Cormac likes to, to do stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And again, especially No Country, uh, yeah. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I just, I really picked up on it on that because, like I said, I've... <clears throat> I've had conversations with people who experienced a loss and lost their faith and then, you know, were – and that was the main thing I've – you know, we're talking to people. You know, I've never ministered in my life. Um, I don't think I am the right person to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, I know I've talked – I've had conversations with people and I remember one person – I don't remember their name or who they were, but I just remember they experienced a very terrible loss in their life and had not completely lost their faith, but it was waning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tried to explain, like, it's, it's you know, yes, we experience these losses in life, but it, it it's not, 
you know, to punish us. It's it's to help us grow as human beings. It's to help us to grow and mature. And I may be misremembering, but the response was kind of like Tommy Lee's of like, well, I had, so I had to lose someone very close to them so I could be a better person. And they were like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, and you can see either way. I'm like, it You're doesn't like, have, right. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. Now I've been shouting out Keegan a lot in this episode <laughs> because you know, Keegan's my boy. Maybe we should just call movie. this episode. The episode is for Keegan. Well, and I'm about to say, it's not just for Keegan. Uh, it's my boy Zach as well. So Zach um, also did some uh, youth ministering all, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he led a Bible study that I was actually involved in for a while. Shocker. Um, but see, I was the... It's because he's Catholic. I know. Well, actually, and they aren't Catholic. Um, and so I was sort of the millennial disruptor in their... <laughs> We're all millennials, but um, I was sort of that hip hipster disruptor in his Bible study because uh-huh. I would bring up certain things. And I, my big thing, and this will, you know, I'll disclose some of my personal beliefs, is, you know, it's dangerous to take the Bible so literally. Right. right. Which they mentioned in the movie as well, because uh, Tommy Lee says to Sam Jackson, he's like, well, do you believe everything in there is absolutely true because not really, you know, yeah. not everything. Yeah, yeah, he says, you know, I believe some things are, but I think some things aren't. Right, and then he talks about the the, the original sin, right? right. The, that story. Um, and so I always quote reminded the group. Someone wrote this down. Someone, you know, who does not have any sort of magical powers typed this in or wrote it on a piece of paper. Like, mm. they make mistakes, right? Right. And they use certain language that, you know, may embellish or whatever, or may have double meanings or blah, 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 whatever, right? Mm. That, you know, take away or add to, consequently, whether negative or positive, to what you're reading. And so you got to be careful. But, right. And so I was that sort of person in, well, in Zach's group. Well, and it, and it, well, it makes sense you would say that because, you know, we live in a, a time where there's so many different versions of the Bible. You As know. you mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, that King James is the best one. Um, <laughs> I, that was, that was really funny. I, I, it was such a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Uh, the one where they speak in clear English is the best one. Oh, boy. I've actually read that one. And it is very hard to follow because I'm like, no, none of this makes sense now. Like, yeah. yes, I understand it, but it does not make sense. In growing up Catholic, I've never thought of it as a book to read. Honestly, um, we, I mean, we, me, <laughs> as, as, a, as a Catholic, the way I saw it, because um, we would have it read to us. Uh-huh. Uh, at in at mass, right? That was that? I I didn't pick it up and read the the fact that people pick it up and read it like they would a John Grisham novel <laughs> is weird to me. I don't know. I've I, never I mean, thought of it that way. Before. I I see the same thing. You know, I've always been told. You know, I you know it, it's great that we're going this way with it because I'll be honest, I was a little worried, but now that we're talking about it, um, it, all my worries have been dispelled. Oh, that's good. You know, so you were raised Catholic. I was raised Baptist. Um, yeah, then we're mortal enemies. <laughs> till the day we die. My sons will learn to hate your sons. That's right. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, 
I was always told that, you know, that you need to understand the Bible and you need to have it memorized to be, and I shit you not, this is what was told to me, and my father's going to listen to this, and I'm sure it's going to piss him off. Oh, uh, sorry, Daddy Whalen. To be a good Christian, mm-hmm. you need to memorize it. Yeah. And I'm like that. As I got, when I was younger, I was like, that makes sense. But as I got older and started forming opinions of my own, mm-hmm. I still hold on to my values. I don't follow Baptist beliefs anymore because religion is a man-made concept. <laughs> um, and God, and Christ never said, well, you have to be a Baptist to, you have to be a Baptist, you have to be a Catholic, you have to be you know, Lutheran to follow my word. No, he just says, follow my word. And so that's what I see myself as, as a Christ follower. Anyway, I made a big post about it. I was surprised that everyone uh, accepted it when I pretty much disowned the Baptist faith. Oh, boy. Anyway. And, yeah, and I just post movie trailers and, and songs. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, but as I got older, I realized that the, that can't be right. You know, yes, you should have – I feel like you should have – an understanding of the Bible, and I feel like you should see it as, you know, they say it in the movie, as a guide. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, I feel like that's kind of a dumbed down word, but it, it should be a guide to how you should live your life. You know, because as Tommy Lee puts it, everything is in here, you know, there's, there's stacks on stacks on stacks of the wrong path, mm-hmm. but only one of the right path. Yeah. You know? I, I did really like his line. It just made me, it just made me chuckle because he was, he's so matter of fact about it because he was like, you know, I really like war and peace. He was like, okay. So, uh, you like this, this book is many because well, to me, they're both made up, you know? <laughs> and, and it was sort of like a, you idiot, the way you said it. And uh, it, ma- it makes me chuckle every time because, yeah. um, which is kind of what I just said just a minute ago. But, um, but, but no, not, I mean, that's just the point I see it as, you know, is, is again, both wrong. Yeah. Is, you know, to be a good Christian. You, <sighs> and this is what Cormac wants. This is what Cormac wants us to do. He wants us to see the player of the movie mm-hmm. and have these discussions. Right. Yeah. And to, to sort of, map in your brain what you believe and then overlay it onto either black or white. Right. And, you know, sort of say, where do you fit in? Mm-hmm. And you fit in the gray, right? Yeah. Most people do. Yeah, because, you know, um, I, I've i had these kind of talks with my friend Eric. Um, I don't it's, even know if he listens to our podcast, honestly. Sounds made up. Go ahead. <laughs> Fake news. Fake news. Uh and, you know, I, me and him have had these kind of talks, too, about how I, you know, I don't follow the Baptist faith anymore, but I still follow Christ. Um, I still, you know, I firmly believe that God sent his only son to die for our sins. I just don't follow the Baptist followings of, you know, uh, you know dancing. The fuck is that? <laughs> it was going to lead to sex. Yeah, in the 50s, maybe, when they put on the <laughs> glove condom. And only in the 50s. Yeah. Now, um, I do like that your church is from the movie Footloose, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I didn't yeah. realize you lived in the town that Footloose was best. I mean, if anyone, I mean... And you're the Kevin Bacon of your... <laughs> I mean, 
if anyone from Crispy Baptist Church is listening, I mean, I love you guys. I grew up in that church. I still hold that church very fondly in my heart. But no, no dancing, no, no alcohol, because it, you know, as it was worded to me, you shouldn't be. You should be drunk with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like... <laughs> That's a silly thing to say. And and as I got older and I turned 21, I was like, well, I want to have... Yeah, first off, they'd have to explain to me in clear terms what the Holy Spirit is. And if they can't do it, their opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> well, see, because no one can. I defy anyone. It's like, yeah, you know, there's God, there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit. They're all the same thing, but they're separate. And this Holy Spirit is something, you know, I've never... And it, it's not to say that it, I don't understand... I don't understand it. Uh, I'm sure someone can uh, explain it to me. I think it's very difficult to understand. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's very funny because that's like a John Mulaney joke, right? Because uh-huh. he, he talks about, you know, it's like, well, you know, there's this and there's that. And they're, all, they're all three different, but they're all the same thing. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. Um, but they, they make up the arms of the cross. I don't know. I, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, to me, it's weird when people say Holy Ghost. Um, that is a weird. And so the holy, they, they mean the exact same thing. Spirit and ghost mean the exact same thing. But um, to me, spirit, Espiritu Santo, you know, sounds better than Holy Ghost. All right, Boondock Saints. Oh, Espiritu Santo. <laughs> um, get fucking hand tattoos on your on your index finger. That'd be pretty cool, though. I've I can pull it off. I've seen I've seen dudes with oh yeah with with yeah. both, and then I've seen some on their forums. I'm like. First of all, only one brother has it on one hand. Second of all, you're an idiot. Sorry. Oh, I love, rude. I uh, love boondock sense. I mean, they like boondock sense. They're just loving like boondock sense. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no. So I, so in like, I like being in the gray mm-hmm. because, you know, and Sam Jackson says it really well in the movie, you know, there is, there's doubters and there's questioners. I'm a questioner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always seen it as we should question, not the teachings of God and Christ, but question, just question. And, and, and that's not to say you don't believe, but it, it's okay to question, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, most Bible thumpers, Westboro Baptist oh, in boy. particular oh, uh, pretty much says like you're wrong if you question you go to hell if you question you shouldn't question and yeah but, and, I mean I and kind of Sam Jackson's character is he plays both sides of that fence because yeah. then he does have this blind faith also right. yeah. so I mean it is kind of this both sort of a thing because they have to be the extremes mm-hmm. right um, anyway Super glad you liked the movie. Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was really, I was, I was really worried. God, I, you're always worried when I tell you to watch a movie. <laughs> no, not not necessarily oh. in that. Because um, I, I didn't watch a trailer for it. Good, because the trailer's not very good anyway. Yeah, when I was telling someone about it today, they watched the trailer and I was like, oh man, this isn't. That's not it at all. Right, I was like, the trailer doesn't tell you what the movie is at all. Yeah. It really misleads you because it's not. It, it really, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I mean, so all I knew going into this is I read the IMDb, um, excuse me, everyone, uh, IMDb synopsis, <laughs> and that's all I knew. I'm like, okay, an ex-con and an atheist professor have a conversation about 
you know, religion, happiness, evolution, that kind of thing. And I was like, okay. But I was a little worried, especially when they got to the religious part. And they, you know, I mean, they jump into it. No, no waiting around. No. It's minute one. Yeah. They're already on religion. And I really enjoyed, you know, this take of uh, <clears throat> of a believer versus a doubter. Mm-hmm. You know, because most, most films that do that, um, like, I'm about to... Like, all the Christian-based films, Mm -hmm. like God's Not Dead, God's Mm -hmm. Not Dead 2, The Reckoning, I don't know what the fuck it's called. To me, those are dangerous films. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was about to say. Like, that that new one that just came out, that was based on a true story about the boy trapped under the ice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I heard about that. Um, I mean, granted, yes, it's based on a true story, and we're glad, you know, I'm glad that... So is The Conjuring. (laughs) Well, yeah. That's what I'm just saying. So I'm just saying. <laughs> but, you know, I do... F- I, I agree with you. You know, so, like, sp- speaking of that movie, you know, Mike Coulter's character, yeah, Luke Cage over here, um, is, I guess, that I've never seen the movie. I'm just going based on the trailer. I've... I, no, um, I haven't even seen the trailer. The, well, I had no choice but to watch the trailer. It played before a movie, and me and Ashley went and saw it. Oh, okay. So I had no choice but to watch it. Um, but Mike Coulter's character is the, the doubter. You know, so like he find like in the trailer it says like he finds the kid because a voice was telling him to, but he still doesn't believe the voice. And I feel like those movies give a very one sided view mm-hmm. of of doubters versus believers. They do, and in those films there's an enemy. Mm-hmm. In this film there isn't. Right. Uh, and in Sunset Limited, there is no sides. Mm-hmm. Right, you get to hear both sides, and in fact, you could argue that White wins at the end, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, which is not your typical. Thing. Which you know, like I said earlier, I'm glad that he didn't, you know, shake Black's hand like you, you, you changed my mind. I'm tomorrow's a new day. I'm, um, in no, News I for everyone. When it was getting close to the end, I was like, don't. Don't let this be happy. Yeah. Like, unlike you, I do like a happy ending, but I was like, D- this can't end happy. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to end happy. Right. And it doesn't. And I'm... Because... Man, you're going to love the movies I set up for them. Uh, for, for this, this series. Because I liked that Black was left so shaken. Mm-hmm. You know, not that shaken, not his faith shaken, just as a person, he's so shaken that this man did not want to be saved. Yeah. Wasn't going to be saved. And, you know, he, he still, he still holds on to his faith and like, you know, if this is what you needed me to do, then mm-hmm. I did it. You know, I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's how I took it is when he's talking to God at the end. Right. And he even says, you know, after, you know, after he leaves, he's like, you know, why'd you give him the words not me? You know, but then he's, I forgot what he says after that, but then he goes, is that okay? You know, mm-hmm. is that okay? He says it twice. Um, well, and I noticed the second time he says he looks into the camera. Yeah. Is that okay? And then that's when the camera pans by his shoulder and into yeah. the sun. Uh, yeah. Because that's how I took it is he was, he, he, he was shaken to his core, mm-hmm. but his faith wasn't shaken. No, he's still looking to God for answers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, no one's mind was changed. Right. Right. Which is reality. Mm-hmm. No one's mind has ever changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this isn't, like um, 
I'm trying to, I'm going to try to use a good example. This isn't a C.S. Lewis novel over here, okay? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Christmas Carol. <laughs> it's so, no 180. These guys are, you know, they, they had a discussion. No one's mind was changed. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Pry on why I chose C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Okay. Even though you know Aslan is an allegory for Jesus Christ. I mean the whole yeah. And I mean <laughs> you know him. And, I mean we can get into him and J.R. Tolkien are were buddies and Christ followers and that Lord of the Rings is also uh, blah, blah, blah. Really? See, I never got that yeah. from Lord of the Rings. I just saw it as Lord a fantasy. Lord of the Rings is also an allegory for um, I guess classic good and evil, <laughs> God versus Satan, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, yeah, just, just, just that fantasy, dog. Give me those giant eagles, dog. Give me those talking trees, dog. Um, Bro. All right. So I think this is a good time to wrap up. Um, should I tease for next week? Yes. So okay. so since this is this is your series, oh, it's so exciting. I'm letting you series. tease the next um, episode, even though I know it. Uh, yes. Because I feel like I kind of shoehorned in last week's tease. Yeah. Um, so next week, uh, we are getting a little bit of Tracy Letts next week. And... I've, I just realized we've talked about this movie twice already. Yes, we have. And I'm so – because we both have a love for Michael Shannon. Yes. And this is actually early Michael Shannon because uh, he did the stage play of really? this first. So, and that's actually how he was cast in this film. So he he, 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 uh, he pulled a, a Tim Curry. Yeah, for... it's not his – this isn't his first movie, but it is, you know, one of his earlier stuff. Right. And, of course, this is Tracy Letts's – Bug, uh, with Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. Yes. Now, if anyone remembers, very early on in the podcast, we talked. Well, Jeremy talked about this movie because I love it. It was in a horror movie episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and Jeremy did discuss details of the plot. Forget that. <laughs> I, yeah, I very. I I don't even think I got really that far into it. But you mainly just talked about. And if I don't remember, there's no way they do either. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Don't listen to the horror movie episode. <laughs> I mean, just don't anyway. It's three hours. Who's got the time? Yeah, Jesus. Um, but uh, I yes, I'm very excited about this one. Um, sort of similar to this one in which you know, mostly in one setting. Okay. And there are more than. Two characters, but not really. Right. Right. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. said it. <coughs> Love that guy. So be on the lookout for some Harry Connick Jr. Uh, also, Tracy Letts uh, has also been an actor as well. Uh-huh. Um, if you are a Seinfeld fan, uh, in the episode where Elaine bets on a horse, uh, he is one of the bookies. Oh, okay. uh, and it's so funny. And comedians <coughs> and cars getting coffee, we can get on the side of the matter. Um, nah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus reminds Jerry that Tracy Letts was on the show because Tracy Letts is a award-winning playwright at this point. Oh, yeah. And he goes, that was him? I feel like you told me this and Jerry yeah, he, was just so he just like – couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like that was Tracy Letts I can't, I can't imagine because he notably got a lot of critical acclaim with his adaptation of August Osage County – Oh, with and that's ben, a Tracy Letts as well. With with uh, Bimberlin Cumbersnatch, and yes, and everyone gave him shit about his southern accent. I mean, it's not a great southern accent, but but um, I mean, it's 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 Julia Roberts, Meryl Streep, right? And and I mean, and it was it's a great movie. I've seen it. No, you know, um, I I have not, but it is on my list because I really, I really want to see it. I like movies based on plays. And I love Tracy Letts. He also did Killer Joe, which is um, – and now William Friedkin directed both this one, Bug, and Killer Joe. 
Oh, okay. uh, William Friedkin, of course, most famous for The French Connection and The Exorcist. Oh. Um, and yeah, so I mean, they've teamed up twice to do these adaptations, and they're fantastic. So after Bug, highly recommend people see Killer Joe. We're not going to have time to do it for the series, but uh, Killer Joe is amazing as well. Um, and so. Now that we've teased for next week, I do want to say that this movie was not flush with soundtrack options. And so we did kind of do it for the first one. But the second one, we just decided John Coltrane. Yes. Please enjoy the smooth jazz. And I mean, just the amount. I mean, we could do a whole episode of jazz. So like (laughs) John Coltrane (laughs) is... You know, I don't think Joel would appreciate And that. actually, it's so fitting that we chose John Coltrane because he mentions John Coltrane in the movie. Really? Because he says, who's your favorite composer? Who's the best composer of all time? And Samuel Jackson slams his hand down and goes, John Coltrane. Oh. No questions asked. So Wow. I know. John Coltrane is amazing. Um, oh, man. You guys should just listen to more jazz. Anyway, alto sax, John Coltrane. Enjoy. Alright everyone, well we hope you enjoyed part one of this four part series. Again, Merry Christmas and enjoy John Coltrane. <laughs>